The Truth News Network. Ruling by fiat, orders ending liberty, bills to tax rights, a president signing bills he has no idea what's inside, ordered by his VP in front of the press? Has anybody here seen our old friend John? All may not be lost, but it will be a fight. And the man on point is Dan Newman. I must be honest with you folks, I don't even think we have the option of getting in this fight or choosing not to get in this fight. I think if we're Americans, we're going to be put right in the middle of it. And in fact, I think you're going to find out, if you look closely, we're right in the middle of this today. (laughs) And we probably have been for a while and didn't even know about it. We'll get into all those details today. How you doing? Did you make it through the week? You still got a few hours left to go to get the, this work week under your belt, and I'm sure you're going to do well. I hope you've planned a really good weekend to give you some rest and relaxation, some time alone or time with family and friends, and I encourage you to interact with people. Don't get so upset about circumstances in your lives that you just turn inward and that you don't interact with people around you got to be honest with you, there are strength in numbers. We've heard that our entire lives. And when the chips get down, folks, when things really get bad, the more people you have that are part of your lives, the easier it's going to be for you because you can spread it around the uncertainty. You'll be sharing the same type of uncertainties with a lot of other people because we're all in this together. And folks, don't for one moment think that we're not really in a big boat of trouble here in the United States of America. Our leadership, folks, is in the tank. I mean, literally in the tank. The guy who holds the spot that has been known for decades and decades as the executive branch leader, the United States president, as the most powerful person on planet Earth. Today, folks, that's Joe Biden president of the U.S. And the second most powerful person on earth has always been pretty much the United States vice president. That's Kamala Harris. You're going to hear from both of those two this morning. And uh, on some very controversial topics, you're going to hear about a lot of things, not directly from them, but stories about things they're doing and saying and some things they're doing behind the scenes that they don't want you or I to know about. And of course, their lapdog media minions, they give them full cover for everything they do or don't do. And if it's bad or it will make this administration look bad, you'll never see or hear about it in the news. Vice versa, even if it's fake, even if it's uh, not a good thing, even if it's an illegal thing, the mainstream media are going to trumpet as being good. Good versus evil, what I say opening the show. We're in a battle, and I don't even believe this is the war. I believe the war is yet to unfold, but the battles are showing their ugly heads almost daily. Yep, we have a battle at the southern border. Things aren't looking good at our southern border, but where has all of that news and information about the illegal alien crossings, all of the human and sex trafficking that happens down there with these uh, cartels over in Mexico. 
making fortunes off of the innocent people of Mexico and Central America, telling them and actually going out and marketing their services. Hey, for $5,000, $10,000, whatever the number is that they can get from these innocent people, they're charging them. So we've got a special treat for you today. Right now, we're going to go right to it. I think we're on the phone with Congressman Mike Johnson. Is is that so? That's me. Hey, my friend. Well, good morning. Congressman, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I know you've been really busy. We expect that, but I know there's a whole lot on your plate. You've got a, a really short thing that you can spend time with us about this morning. And I want to jump right to it. You're an attorney, and uh, your background is as a constitutional attorney. Something's been troubling me for I guess a couple of months, and it's showing its ugly head over and over and over again, specifically about our political uh, decisions that are made in our administration. Congressman Johnson, did, did I miss Congress passing a new law that says it's okay to not enforce federal laws if you're the President of the United States? Did I miss that? <laughs> you didn't, and I'll tell you, Dan, I've, I've been doing town halls around my district. We're at a, we're in a district work week this, this week. I did four in the last two days, uh, North and South all across our district in North and West Louisiana. And this is a question that comes up in the town halls as well, because people see with their own eyes, what's going on. They're very frustrated by how this new president is governing. You know, he ran as a moderate and told everybody he'd be a bridge builder and all that. He's doing exactly the opposite. And, and not only is he governing as the most far-left president, arguably ever in the history of the country, but he, he's doing it, as you say, seemingly with no regard whatsoever to the legal limits upon his power. So just in the first three months after he took office, he, he issued about 60 executive orders as a record number, and it, you know reflexively just doing the opposite of whatever President Trump did, uh, regardless of the ramifications for the country. But so much of that was far beyond the bounds of what he was legally able to do under the Constitution. And he continues on that path. It's it's a dangerous trajectory for the country, and it's something that all of us need to be wary of. And moreover, we need to be challenging some of this in the courts, which is beginning to happen now. Well, you and I could spend a whole lot of time talking through the, uh, the numerous things. The big 900-pound gorilla in the room, of course, is just this total disregard for federal immigration laws at our southern border, where not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens are not even coming into the system because they're sneaking through. The Biden administration has just basically opened the door and is advertising for those folks to come from wherever on earth. Uh, Last report I heard there have been, at the southern border, people who have been caught entering from 63 different nations from around the world. So it's not just Central America. Um, the other thing that came up yesterday, and you and I exchanged texts last night about it, President Biden unilaterally with no, I can find authorization to do so, he's already canceled $50 billion worth of student debt. How can that happen? Well, it, it can. And he's supposedly awaiting a, a legal opinion letter from the Department of Education, whatever that's going to be worth to 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 uh, somehow bless this initiative of his which he's doing only because the far left is the progressive caucus and all the rest of them are pushing him so aggressively of course their ultimate goal 
is to replace our constitutional republic with a socialist utopia, which you and I know would be the end of America, right? But they don't understand that. They don't see it. And so the, the steps to get us there is to put everyone on the public dole, to make everyone um, r responsible to and, and thankful for the, the giant federal government apparatus, right? We put the government in charge of everything. And so they will take care of everyone from cradle to grave and they'll They'll pay off your student loans and all that. But look, the problem with all these big socialist dreams is not only is it driving the country so far into the hole of federal debt that we'll never be able to climb out of it, but it's it's blatantly unconstitutional. I mean, if whenever this Department of Education legal memo comes out, it's anticipated now in the next couple of weeks, I think, um, it better reference the property clause, appropriations clause of the, of the federal constitution. I mean, the executive branch does not have the authority to forgive debt that's owed to the federal government. You, you have to have a, a, the authority given by Congress to do that. You have to have a statute that does that. And, and, and Congress has never just granted authority to the executive branch before. No president, no Department of Education has the right to cancel student loans en masse. It, it just, that, that, that legal authority does not exist. And so the next question is, the obvious question is, whether you're talking about this or the, the border, as you know, I was down there uh, two and a half weeks ago with President Trump, we had 24 Republican members of the House. We went to see it with our own two eyes, Dan, and we cannot, you and I can talk about it for, as you said, for a long time, but it is impossible to overstate the humanitarian crisis going on at our southern border right now. We were in La Jolla. Uh, we, we were there at 1.30 in the morning. We stayed, we stayed a couple of days, but we went out there morning and night. People are coming across in droves. They're not evading capture. They're looking for Border Patrol. You know why? Because the President's executive order said that the Border Patrol must act like processing agents for the cartels who are trafficking human beings across our border. They're literally taking them, caring for them, and then sending them, giving them bus tickets and plane tickets to go all over the country. And this has gone on. It's more than hundreds of thousands. My Texas colleagues in Congress believe it. It's over a million people just since January alone. We and there's no end in sight. So what do we do about all this, Dan? The question is, how do you stop it? Well, we're in the minority party, the Republicans, conservatives in the House, so we have no ability to intervene with legislation to stop it because Pelosi won't put any of our initiatives on the floor. So we have to fight in the courts and we have to rely upon uh, judges who, you know, of course, President Trump had a record number of appointments to the federal courts. We've got three of his appointments on the Supreme Court. We're going to need the courts to take a stand here, stand for the law and limit this stuff, or we're going to lose the constraints of the Republic that are keeping us together. Does this immigration issue at the Southern border, does it rise to the level that someone in Washington that has standing, it would probably have to come from somebody in Congress or some group in Congress could appeal to the U S Supreme court for an emergency, uh, whatever you call it to get a case before the Supreme court, even though they're now out of session. Well, yes. Yeah, so there's, there's, a, you, you have to start at the lower courts, but you can put it on a rocket docket, so to speak. And um, certain cases in certain categories rise to that that level. But you would first need a, a federal district court judge to issue some sort of moratorium or or injunction upon what's happening there, and then it would make its way quickly, I think, through the appellate process. But, but you know, any of the states have the authority, I would argue, to do that. Um, and, and, of course, Texas Governor Abbott and many of the other governors are on this um, every day, hour by hour, trying to deal with this crisis. We've tried to do it. You know, um, we haven't had great luck in the courts or the Supreme Court um, in recent uh, months as members of Congress. I mean, I usually lead those efforts because I'm the constitutional law guy on, on the Republican side. We, we filed a brief December 10th 
straight to the Supreme Court. Um, on behalf, I filed it on behalf of 126 colleagues of mine in the in the House, and we asked the court to intervene and answer the simple question about the election irregularities. That you know was Article Two of the Constitution violated when all these states changed their election laws, uh, you know, willy nilly, and uh, right up to the election cycle of 2020. And, and and of course, infamously, now everybody knows the Supreme Court sidestepped that and said we didn't have standing. So we, we need courts to have courage. I, I am. I, I do think that there is some reason for hope here. Um, Jim Jordan and I and Steve Scalise uh, had dinner with Stephen Miller a few weeks back from the from the Trump White House, and he's you know a lot of the the guys in the Trump White House have done are doing individual initiatives now. Stephen started a legal organization called America First Legal, and their sole objective is to go into the courts and challenge Biden's executive orders. They've already had some success on the first couple of test cases, and there there are many more that they're working on and, and, and that are pending. So we may be able to get on top of this, but in the meantime, we've got to hold the line. We have to inform people like you're doing of what's going on and let them remind them this very sobering fact that elections and ideas truly do have consequences, and we're seeing it right now. A lot of the stuff we're seeing on the streets play out and uh, the violence, etc. people are understanding when you got bad people, they understand they're going to try to get away with what they can get away with. And when laws aren't being enforced. I mean, where does that stop? We don't know all of the laws that are not being enforced, the federal laws that should be. And then I got to be honest with you. I first noticed this happening back under Barack Obama. Remember when he told Eric Holder, then attorney general, stop enforcing federal drug drug possession laws unless it's in large amounts. And you had almost all of the 50 states had drug laws on their books that possession was illegal so it that that seemed to be the at least the first time we begin to notice this federal law stuff not being enforced where does this stop how far can we let it go and uh how dramatic can it get before something major happens in our nation well these are these are very important rhetorical questions we don't know yet we're in uncharted waters as a nation What we're seeing happen is unprecedented. You have the federal Department of Justice, of course, who is in charge of enforcing all these laws that that has been weaponized for political purposes, um, used for partisan purposes to attack political opponents and all the rest. That trend has been developing, as you said, since the Obama administration. And and it it is a very, very dangerous prospect for a constitutional republic. I, I was at these town halls the last couple of days, Dan, and I just reminded everybody, look, we just had our 245th birthday as a nation, July 4th great celebration of our independence right but 245 years is is just a small speck of time on the span of human history we don't know how long a constitutional republic can last remember we're doing an experiment in self-government here we have government up by and for the people themselves and in order for that system to work the people have to have faith in their institutions not the least of which is our system of justice and if you have a department of justice that people look at and think they're not going to enforce the law equally Equal justice for the law is not going to be blind. They, they lose faith in that institution that we've lost something that we may never be able to get back. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps us up at night. Now, we're working. I'm optimistic, Dan. I, you know, as you and I have talked, I believe we're going to win the majority back in, in the House in 2022. I think the Senate will be in play. I think we'll get the White House back after this debacle of a four-year term. But in the meantime, we've got to hold the line and defend those institutions because they're under direct assault. Congressman, we could keep you all day and talk, and you and I do that every time we get together. I know you've got a busy schedule. Thank you so much for stopping by and sharing with us the microphone at 
TNN Live is always open to you. And we've got a pretty good footprint now, about six or 700,000 people that call this home for this kind of information. Come back by whenever you want. Don't wait for me Love to reach out to you. Friend. Just give me a call. We'll do it. Keep up the great work. Have a great day. You too. Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. He is in the middle of the fray. Um, you can argue politics all day long. You can disagree on politics all day long. But when it comes time to get something done, you always want somebody in your corner that uh, is willing to, first of all, confront the truth, get the truth figured out, and then get on board the truth train to try to get everybody in the government to just simply follow the freaking laws. What are we doing when it's okay to willy-nilly break the federal laws? Is it dangerous that somebody actually has that power that's president of the United States? I don't know. Back in a moment. Join in the conversation. To find out how, see the homepage at truthnewsnet.org. This is TNN. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward. Give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. and the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Our many thanks always to Congressman Mike Johnson, who is very, very willing, and he comes by often. Uh, when he and I interface, sometimes it's via text or email, or we see each other in person. He is my congressman here, so I, uh, I see him more than any other congressman. But he's always willing to come by and kind of fill us in on the latest greatest, in this case not the greatest, but probably the greatest difficulty America is facing right now. And think about it, folks. The thing that makes this country different from every other country is on earth is the fact that we are free. We are a free nation. But to stay that way, we have to enforce the rule of law. And we have an administration right now that is just ignoring our laws. How could that possibly happen in the United States of America? And they're making it okay to do it. And they're also making it okay to do it when they're the ones that say do it. 
It doesn't apply to anyone else. That's not called a democracy or a representative republic, which is what we are supposed to be. You know what it's called? An autocracy. And one form of an autocracy is a dictatorship. Congressman Johnson would never say that word. But folks, it looks totally to me like we have a dictator, or maybe you want to call him a dictator wannabe. You know what's ironic about that? For four years, we heard everybody on the left from Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer on down, saying that Donald Trump wanted to be a dictator. But Trump always deferred to the consensus of the people. You know, those little plebes out in middle America, the ones that uh, do all the work every day, the nine-to-fivers that pay taxes and fund the government. That's who Donald Trump looked to. Joe Biden? Kamala Harris? Not so much anymore, folks. It looks like we are being run totally top-down, and that's scary. Now, let's segue to our, our next debacle to get into today. I don't know if you've looked at the website yet at the story that went live this morning at 145 titled, There Was Voter Fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 election. Doesn't said there probably was. It says there was voter fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 election. Now we've been putting pieces of information and data collection for months now, trying to figure out exactly what happened how it happened, who are the players that were involved. And we get into a bunch of that in that story this morning. We're not going to get to the whole thing today. I'm not going to spend your time during the show today. But I encourage you to go to that story, truthnewsnet.org, and uh, you'll see at the top of the homepage, the first story, there was voter fraud in the November 3rd, 2020 election. As part of that story, we did something that we don't normally do. We will usually quote and put in little pieces, little tidbits. Every once in a while, we'll include an audio soundbite or a short video talking about the, the particular issues of question in this story, each story. So today we did just that. The other night on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, he weighed into the middle of this with actual facts, actual evidence. And so there was a conversation, there was an interview, and we published in this story today, in the middle of the story, a partial transcript of that conversation that it goes into the details that go into my ability to say there actually was voter fraud in November 3rd, 2020's election. We also, at the top of it, we talk about the Trump lawsuits. We talk about the Georgia law. We talk about the cheating that went on there. And, of course, the ongoing debacle out in Arizona as that election audit is in full steam. They actually came up with some other information that was issued yesterday and got out into the marketplace of ideas. So, folks, sometime during the day, take some time. In fact, it'll take you about 20 minutes to really wade into it. I want you to really read today's story closely and uh, ignore a couple of typos. As I was just looking at the show, I saw it was a keystroke thing. Uh, The first first word in the story is supposed to be okay. 
and somehow we got a typo before the O, there's an I. It's like, I okay. Well, I is okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, please look at that. And you're going to get some information, some factually documented information in the story. It's going to give you a little peace over the weekend. Peace to know that, yeah, truth will always out, and truth is our friend. And when the truth is out there, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to try to legitimize it. It pretty much stands on its own and does a really good job, a far better job than I could do. Moving on down the road, we'll stop at the Pentagon. Uh, This whole thing that is happening with the Joint Chiefs, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, it's really troubling me and my spirit. We're talking about Staff Army General Mark Milley. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. The head of every branch of service has somebody that serves as a Joint Chief on that that committee. And he's the big kahuna on the committee. So some stuff leaked out yesterday. Really damning information. And what it was, it was words allegedly spoken by Staff Army General Mark Milley that are not very complimentary of the former president. According to the book that's coming out, not Millie's book himself, someone else, he is quoted as saying this, he being General Milley, quote, this is a Reichstag moment, the gospel of the Fuhrer. Now, Millie allegedly told his aides that, according to CNN. They got a copy of advanced excerpts of the book, I Alone Can Fix It, by post. Reporters Carol Leonig and Philip Rucker are those reporters. Milley allegedly was worried that Trump was stoking unrest in the days before the January 6th riot and that he was going to use it as an excuse to invoke the Insurrection Act. And then if he did that, when he did that, they so so-so say, that he was going to call out the military to take the government over. They may try, Millie supposedly said, but they're not going to effing succeed. You can't do this without the military, he said. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We're the guys with the guns. So he supposedly also told the aides ahead of a pro-Trump million MAGA march in November that he feared it could be the modern American equivalent of brown shirts in the streets, and he's referring to the pro-Nazi militia supporting Hitler's rise during World War II. However, a defense official close to the general told CNN that Milley will not publicly address the book and did not dispute that Milley engaged in activities and communications that aren't part of the traditional portfolio of what and how a chairman is supposed to do. The official did say, though, that Milley is not going to sit in silence while people try to use the military against Americans, and that while he tried his hardest to actively stay out of politics, if the events that occurred brought him to that arena temporarily, so be it. He said that Milley was not calling Trump a Nazi, but he felt he had no choice but to respond given his concerns that the rhetoric used by Trump and his supporters could lead to such an environment. Now remember CNN is reporting this. CNN is known to 
put a lot of things that weren't said, a lot of misquotes, putting out a lot of facts that aren't facts. So just keep that in mind when you're listening to what is being reported today. According to the book, Milley also warned then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows about firing Director Christopher Wray and CI Director Gina Haspel, and after January 6th had a daily conference call with then-Secretary of State Pompeo and Meadows, and they compared notes, and they looked at the horizon for trouble. Pompeo, through a person close to him, denied making any comments attributed to him in the book and said they were not reflective of his views. So there's one who is quoted in the book that comes out and says, nah, not so. So the book also details one private conversation with Nancy Pelosi and Milley after Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper after the election. We are all trusting you, Pelosi reportedly said. Remember your oath. After January 6th, they reportedly talked about Trump potentially using nuclear weapons during his final days in office. Folks, I cannot believe that Mark Milley or anybody, any general in our military, would allow themselves to be sucked into this kind of thing. Can you imagine, based on everything you know, not on what you hear come from the mouths of CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, New York Times. Now, I'm talking about what you really know. Know from watching and listening, and viewing the actions that the former president took. Could you ever see a situation where Donald Trump would arbitrarily do something nuclear-related in the context of the um, alleged election cheating November 3rd last year? It it, it really is mind-boggling to me that that, that, that Millie would put himself in this kind of situation. I just don't see that happening. He doesn't have any of that in his history. But he also reportedly, he, um, he had some bad things to say about far-right groups in advance of Joe Biden's inauguration. He, again, allegedly told a group of senior leaders, here's the deal, guys. These guys are Nazis. They're boogaloo boys. They're proud boys. These are the same people we fought in World War II. We're going to put a ring of steel around this city, and the Nazis aren't getting in. Let me just say this. If any of this that is so-called Millie talking, if any of what you just heard and even some other things we, we're not going to get into, if any of that's true, two things are definite. Number one, he needs to be removed. He needs to be fired. He needs to be forced to retire immediately. Because what he's talking about, folks, is a coup. A coup that he would have initiated if this is true and the things that he supposedly said before Trump left office are true. He was involved in orchestrating a coup to get rid of a president. And Vifi Kamala Harris, she's involved. She reportedly personally thanked Millie. We all know what you and some others did. Well, we all don't. The book concludes with Millie describing relief. There had not been a coup telling Michelle Obama at the inauguration, no one has a bigger smile today than I do. You can't see it under my mask, but I do. He really began to get in trouble last week, maybe two weeks ago. 
after he defended teaching critical race theory in the military during a House Armed Services Committee hearing last month. He said, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it, he said then. I don't think you have to do a whole curriculum to understand when people are upset or what they're upset about. All you got to do is sit down and have a conversation. And when you have a conversation about critical race theory, you got to begin with the fundamental premise that it's a theory, right? (laughs) It's not a fact. It's not in concrete. If it's a theory, that means it not only can change, it means it almost certainly will change as circumstances change and people get together and interact about it. This critical race theory things, folks, it is nothing. If you put it in context of American life, it itself is a racist philosophy. The bottom line in critical race theory is it points back to slavery, slavery of people that aren't alive today, slavery by people that aren't alive today. There is no slavery in the United States of America. There's plenty of slavery elsewhere in the world, but here, folks, there's no slavery. And yes, we need to teach our kids about the the ills of slavery and the horrors that happen in our history. We need to teach our kids about everything in the United States history that happened, even all the bad stuff. I mean, even things like the president of the United States during World War II enslaved in prison camps on the West Coast every person that was Japanese in fear of them being Japanese agents. That was right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Should that have happened? Heck no, that shouldn't have happened. A lot of those Japanese people that were put in those camps were actually American citizens that had legally immigrated to the United States. But just because bad things happened in the past doesn't mean that everybody of some specific ilk is evil today. You can't just look at a white person and say they're racist. You can't look at a young black man and say he's a criminal. Just because there are some white people who are racist and there are some young black men who are criminals. Who gave anybody the power to take a paintbrush and who gave anybody the authority to take that paintbrush and and paint a picture of anybody on earth besides themselves and portray them as being one specific thing and, oh, by the way, the person with the paintbrush has the arbitrary authority to determine what and who those people are. That happens a lot in this world, folks. It does. It happened years ago in the Soviet Union. It happened years ago in Nazi Germany. It happened years ago in Italy, Mussolini. Mussolini. It happened in Russia a multiple time on multiple watches. It happened in China. It's never happened in the United States. And we don't want it to happen. We don't want this country to even take one step towards socialist communism, which is where many in leadership today in this country, they say 
We want to be more socially conscious. We want to be more involved with people. We want to take care of people instead of making them just tread water all the time in every area of their life. We want to take care of them. Sounds like a great idea. And many, 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 many Americans have bought off on that. That's a dangerous thing. You know, it's interesting. Bernie Sanders, throughout his political career, he's praised the government, the way the government operated, the way the people live in Cuba under communist dictatorship. 50-plus years, folks, that's the way it's been. Bernie Sanders was supported. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, same thing. Ilhan Omar came from Sudan. I'm sorry, Somalia in Africa, egregious top-down country, horrible treatment of citizens over there by those people, came to the United States, immigrated here legally, and then she decided she thinks we need to bring some of those same many, if not all of those same philosophies from Somalia that she ran from, she and her family ran from, we need to instigate those and start those here in the United States. Rashida Tlaib, Michigan member of Congress, same thing. She's Palestinian. She hates the Israelis. She agrees with Israelis need to be exterminated, Jews. I mean, this kind of stuff is happening every day. People are finally pulling the mask off their faces. Thankfully, we're beginning to find out every day who our enemies really are. And our enemies are not all from foreign countries. They don't all speak Asian or Russian, folks. A lot of them speak fluent English. And that's a scary thought. Now, you just heard from what General Milley had to say about Donald Trump. I'm sure it comes as no surprise to you that Mr. Trump came out yesterday and addressed it. Here's what he said, quote, I never threatened or spoke about to anyone a coup of our government, Trump said. So ridiculous, sorry to inform you, but an election, a free and fair election is my form of a coup. And if I was going to do a coup, one of the last people I would want to do it with is General Mark Milley. And then he took on his former defense secretary, Jim Mattis. Trump said about Mattis, he got his job only because the world's most overrated general, James Mattis, could not stand him, and he's talking about General Mark Milley, had no respect for him. Mattis apparently didn't like Milley, and he would not recommend him, the former president said. To me, the fact that Mattis didn't like Milley, just like Obama didn't like him and actually fired Milley, just like that was a good thing, it was not a bad thing. I often act counter to people's advice who I don't respect. You kind of do that if you're going to make it in news media and if you're going to make it in politics and if you're going to make it as a president. You've got you've to look at the facts, folks. You've got to look at the facts. You've got to make your choices, your decisions based on the facts if you're going to make it. Golly, where did we start this precipitous slide toward totalitarianism? Last night in my text interchange with Congressman Johnson, I used that word totalitarianism. 
Let me just read you exactly what I said. Hang on just a second. Let me access that text. Where's Mike Johnson? Mike Johnson. I want to quote it accurately. Mike Johnson. Okay. Well, shoot. I can't, you know, the, uh, forget about it. Just forget I even brought it up. Basically, back and forth, I'm the one that used the T word, slipping towards totalitarianism, and he gave me a thumbs up. Basically, what I do when I, when Mike and I speak and I'm, we're talking about coming on the show and talking about any specific topic. I try to let him know how I feel because I don't want to be, I don't, and he's not going to be easily intimidated, but I don't want to intimidate him and make any guest that comes on this show, make them feel like I expect them to, um, to address any issue the way that I think they should address it. And he agreed with me. I don't want to be the the sky is falling, the sky is falling die. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the person out there that is just talking about gloom and doom all the time. And I'm not, as Congressman Johnson said to you, and he said to me this morning, as bad as it looks, as bad as it really is, we're going to win this thing. We're going to get through this thing. But to do that, we got to do it together. We're going to take a short break, folks. We have a lot of unpacking to do. Bunch of COVID-19 stuff out there. Yeah, a bunch of it. And this Cuba crisis thing has really taken on a life of its own. And some of our far leftists in Congress have been exposed. Don't go anywhere. The world tells you to wait. That waiting is polite and good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place, take it. Don't wait for people to find you, find them. In work, in love, in life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. 
This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G Nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Back to business here at TNN Live. Hey, let's segue over into COVID-19. How about that? And we've got some information today that is mind-boggling, things that are going to blow your mind. You know, we've been all kind of breathlessly and in a little bit of fearful uh, thinking. We have been watching closely regarding the mandating of COVID-19 vaccinations. And I just want to let you know, every day it seems like we get a little bit closer, a little bit closer to that happening. So let's look across the pond. You know, everything everything in, in our lives, especially everything that's big and really important, um, it usually comes from Asia to Europe and then from Europe to the United States. The House of Commons in the UK yesterday they voted 319 to 246 to mandate health and social care employees across England. Take one of the experimental COVID-19 vaccines as a condition of your employment, and if you don't want to take it, you're probably going to have to find another job. Everyone working in a care home certified with the Care Quality Commission, which is England's health care regulating authority, kind of like our CDC. They're going to be expected to have undergone a full course of COVID-19 vaccination. Unimmunized employees will have a 16-week grace period till the law takes effect at the end of this October. After that, 4,000 pounds. That is going to be the fine imposed if the new regulation is broken. That equals somewhere around $6,500. So employees who refuse or fail to take the vaccine may be instructed, it says, to look for another job that doesn't include serving in a care home. Parliament's action to make the vaccination for healthcare workers, it originated from the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergency Recommendation. And it stated that there's an apparent need for uptake rates of 80% in staff 90% in residents in care home settings to provide a minimum level of protection against further COVID outbreaks. They always have a justification for any of these things that they're shoving down the throats of citizens. Sound eerily familiar to you? Well, they don't have, we don't have to look very far. Los Angeles County, they have revived a requirement that makes everybody in California wear a mask indoors, regardless of your own vaccination status. The requirement goes into effect at midnight tomorrow night. Some exceptions are going to apply. We're not where we need to be for the millions at risk of infection here in L.A. County. And waiting to do something will be too late, given what we're seeing. That's according to L.A. County Health Officer Dr. Muntu Davis. He said that in a virtual briefing with reporters yesterday. He said the order is going to be published in its entirety no later than today sometime on the county's COVID-19 information website. The announcement came a month to the day after California dropped their statewide mask mandate. Now let me ask you this. What do you think is the driving factor for all this? Think about the insanity of what we just told you. 
indoors. If you're indoors, you got to wear a mask. Outdoors, not so much a big deal. Indoors. And they don't take into consideration anybody's personal um, condition regarding COVID-19. Maybe you already got it. Maybe you've tested for the antibodies and you've got the antibodies. Any of that, they don't even want to talk about. They want to force everybody to wear a mask. And they do that under the guise of, you know what? You may not have it and you may not care about getting it, but you, if you've been infected with it, you could possibly expose somebody else. So because of that, our job is to take care of everybody. So we're going to force you to wear a mask, even if you don't need to wear a mask. And they guise it in the fact that, you know, we feel like we've got to protect everybody else and we can't allow anybody, anybody at all to hurt other people. That's where freedom stops, right? Well, is it a First Amendment thing? I don't know. Is it a HIPAA law, the 1986 uh, Balanced Budget Act, where everybody's personal medical status and records and treatments and problems they've had medically remain confidential, the ownership by only the patient? And if it's a minor, the patient's parents? I don't know. Let me tell you what I think it is. I think it's this grab for more and more and more power over the American people. And they're watching very carefully to see how much of our privacy, how much of our lives we are voluntarily willing to give to the federal government. And folks, this isn't the first time this has happened in history. Any time in history there's been a free country And any of these free countries that ever turn to socialist, heavy, or even communist, there's a transition period in which the government, they just see how many many private things and personal things they can seize from the people of that country. Look what happened in Venezuela. Do you realize that 20 years ago, Venezuela was considered to be the third most wealthy country on the earth? They had one of the biggest deposits of carbon fuel, oil and natural gas there. And they had all kinds of mineral deposits, gold, silver, all kinds of precious metals. And their economy was roaring. And then the government began to quietly, very surreptitiously stealing one one of the freedoms after another, a little one here, a little one there, and then they began to grow. And finally, they just took over the country, instilled what they call socialism, but it literally is communism. And now it's one of the poorest nations on earth, and people can't even depend on being able to get food and even toilet paper in Venezuela. And all that oil and gas is still there but they can't get it out of the ground and get it to the marketplace because nobody will do business with them. Wow. Let me tell you how bad this takeover of the government is. Washington, D.C. alone, we never hear much about the government of the District of Columbia itself. We do know that Muriel Bowser is the mayor, African-American. She is a Black Lives Matter in-the-tank person. Um, very supportive of Black Lives Matter. She ignores all the wrongdoing that Black Lives Matter adherents have done ac- 
across the nation the last year and a half, she basically says that's okay. You're not going to believe this, folks. Four parents in the District of Columbia on Monday filed a lawsuit against the district. And in the lawsuit, they allege the district's recently enacted law deprives parents' constitutional rights and endangers children's safety. How is this happening? Listen, folks, the District of Columbia is allowing kids as young as 11 to get vaccinated, COVID-19 vaccinated, without their parents' consent or even their knowledge. Wow. The entity that's representing these parents put out a statement yesterday saying this. This D.C. law is reckless. It's unconstitutional. Needlessly endangers children's lives by stripping away parental protection and the protection of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. The law allows children 11 years of age and older they can get any vaccine, including COVID-19. And they don't even have to wait for their parents to be notified to agree to it, or even for their parents to know if the vaccine has been recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices and the child is capable of meeting the informed consent standard. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Uh, This lawsuit alleges that Washington's law deprives the plaintiffs of their constitutional rights as parents to direct the care and upbringing of their children and the right to freely exercise their religion. It also alleges that the law conflicts with the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, and they are looking for an injunction to stop D.C. from enforcing this new law. Even a minor's parents has applied for a religious exemption after vaccines for the kid, or has the kid opted out of the HPV vaccine, the minor can still choose to receive a vaccine, and the healthcare provider who administers it could leave a certain part of the immunization record blank. And you know why? So the parents won't find out the kids got vaccinated. The law requires that the provider should send the immunization record directly to the minor's school, and the school should keep it confidential. Furthermore, providers, quote, shall seek reimbursement without parental consent directly from an insurer. Listen to this part. The insurer shall not send an explanation of benefits for services provided to the kid. That's in the law. Do I need to tell you how egregious this whole thing is? I mean, come on. Parents throughout American history have been the sole arbiters of the medical care that their kids get. Yeah, there have been some extreme circumstances where for religious purposes, parents don't believe for their kids a medical procedure. I get that. This is nothing like that. They don't even, in this law, they don't even allow the parents to know if or when their kids got a vaccination. And the, the they're forbidding insurance companies that don't answer to state governments. They are answering to an entity called CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is a federal branch 
in D.C. They're the ones that enforce all the HIPAA laws, which means medical information, medical details, medical records are only to be shared by the person themselves that the records are for, or if they're minors, by their parents, not by a local government. And that local government, District of Columbia, has no legal basis to even pass a law like that, yet alone enforce that law. I have never seen a power grab more obvious and more egregious than this by Muriel Bowser's District of Columbia. I mean, this, this, this is just horrible. And yes, we are slipping down this slope for the likes of people like this. This is Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo's been around for a lot of years. I think he, his first big major television thing was when he, um, he found the famous Thief's Safe. And uh, they went on national television live. He was going to break into that safe because everybody knew it had all kinds of money in it, money that had been stolen, maybe other information, whatever. And there was nothing in it. On the, it was a, it was a, a mass disappointment, and it really made Geraldo Rivera look idiotic, look very stupid. Of course, he made a lot of money. He sold it to one of the major networks. I think it was ABC. Here's what Geraldo said this morning. Now, he is, every Friday morning, Fox and Friends has him on their show for one segment. And he usually weighs in with something with a vantage point looking at it from the left because he's been, he calls himself a conservative thinker but he's been a hardcore Democrat for most of his life. I don't know what his ilk is now. I would assume he's a registered Democrat, but that doesn't matter. Listen to what comes out of people's mouths before you determine how valuable their opinions are. Here's what Geraldo said today. Nursing home workers in New York who refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine should not be allowed to work. Quote, no vaccine, no work, no school no in-person shopping. You have a right not to be vaccinated. I have the right to protect my kids. It was in reference to the New York Post July 12th article that said only 67% of nursing home staff have taken a COVID-19 vaccine compared to 87% of residents who've been vaccinated in the state of New York. Now, let me, let me just... The, the, the thing that just jumps out at me, those are the stats from the state of New York. 67% of nursing home staff, only 67, have received a COVID-19 vaccine. Compare that to 87% of the residents who've been vaccinated in the state of New York. Now, if you're a logical thinker, you would say, well, if 87 of those residents have been vaccinated, why are they worried about one of the workers in their facility where they're staying, not getting vaccinated. So if people are actually worried about this, it sends up a message that nobody will talk about. The vaccinations don't work. They don't work. Well, how do you get to that conclusion, Dan? Well, go back a year plus. Go back and listen to what the experts told us about these vaccines. When they come to market, everybody's got to take it. If you don't take it, 
you're going to die and you're going to infect other people that haven't yet been able to get the vaccination and they're going to die over and over and over again. Take the shot. Take the jab. There are 60-second TV spots with very famous people that are on these advertisements saying, take the jab, take the jab, take the jab. And then we hear over and over and over again, people not only getting COVID-19 that took the vaccinations, people are dying. In my own state, in southeast Louisiana, two weekends ago, overnight, 600 cases of COVID-19 were confirmed. Now, that is a huge number of people that confirmed positive to have COVID-19. But you know what the irony of that is? Over half of those had already received the shot and they are infected or were infected by the Delta variant of COVID-19. So is this a situation that we can look at and say, maybe, just maybe, it's a little early to push the button and make or want to make everybody go get a vaccination when many of them are not working. Wow. What are the what are the percentages? I don't know what your age is. I'm 66, 67, about to be 68. What are the percentages of a person like me getting it, a 67-year-old? Well, they're a lot higher than a kid 11, 12, 13 years old. And they're a lot lower than a 90-plus-year-old. We buried a really good woman last week that was 102 years old. 102 years old. And she circulated. She moved around among people. She never even got COVID-19. And she passed away from natural causes. I mean, she passed away from being 102. I know that's just one example, but there are millions of examples just like that. When A plus B equals C, then C plus D, if it equals C, all of those are equal, right? So they're using mind games on the American public to keep us in fear, to keep us locked down, to keep us concerned about our stuff when we really don't need to be concerned about it And folks, the fact that they don't know the facts, in the old days, what that would mean is they'd go find the facts, and while they were going to find the facts, they would say, hey, we don't know the facts yet, but we're going to get them. Stand by. We're going to get them and come back to you. Now, they create a political narrative before they ever begin anything. Here's how we're going to sell it. Here's what we're going to say. And we're not going to tell them this. We're not going to tell them that, even though this and that are factual. They don't want to talk about anything that could possibly be bad and oppose what they want to do with facts. The CDC is in the tank. Anthony Fauci is in the tank. And when we get information from these entities and information from these individuals, and a huge part of it, sometimes all of it, proves to be false, when do you think it is a good time to believe anything these entities or these individuals tell us. How do you know which is going to be false and which might be true? And are you willing to stake your life on what they tell us is actually a fact? I don't know about you, but I'm not. 
The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh... Jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. During the break, I got a text from James, one of our faithful members of our audience, and James asked about the number of the deaths so far from the VAERS report, the CDC's VAERS report. It always runs a week late. This one was from last Friday, and um, I got to tell you, the numbers have gone up dramatically. It's over 9,000, 9,000 now of people in the United States that have taken the vaccination and have lost their lives because of the vaccination. 9,000. Folks, this is nuts. This is crazy. This is happening. It's still considered, all three vaccines are considered to be and classified by the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, as experimental. And that's an out for them to be able to say, oh, it's, it's just still experimental. We're not sure about it yet. But then on the other hand, you have a government here that is moving toward requiring everybody to take this vaccine. You have businesses in our nation, sometimes large corporations, that are already requiring their employees to get the vaccine. 
as a condition of employment. So who's going to be responsible? Who's going to take the responsibility for forcing people to take a vaccine that might, and in many cases does, kill you? Mike Johnson was with us earlier. Congressman Johnson, who's a constitutional lawyer. We're talking about one other horrible thing our federal government is doing, ignoring the enforcement of federal laws. And as he said, there's only two ways to address that in doing it legally in the federal government. Number one is either through legislation and the law breaking we were talking about specifically were two things. Not enforcing federal immigration laws at the southern border, which that's happening over and over and over again every day, all day long. This administration turns their back on the intense, dramatic, and massively wide and includes close to a million illegal immigrants that have come across since Biden has been elected. That's an unofficial number, but experts that look at it feel that it's pretty close to that. Think about that. A million people have come here illegally, and almost every one of those people have come here knowing that this administration is refusing to enforce federal laws. What president in U.S. history has ever done what Joe Biden is doing or not doing, which is enforcing federal law? Federal laws can only be made, they can only be changed by the United States Congress. Any law that passes as a bill in the House, goes to the Senate, passes as a bill there, goes to the White House, and is signed into law by a president, cannot be changed unless new legislation replaces it. And of course, there's a second alternative, and that's to go to the legal process. Go to court. Go to lawsuits, which takes time, as you know, especially at the federal level. And as Mike Johnson just mentioned, that is in the making right now to go after this administration. That was the first egregious thing that we talked about with the congressman. The second was Joe Biden unilaterally, with no authority constitutionally to do it, has canceled $50 billion of student debt. Now, we all know there are hundreds of billions of student debt dollars out there. I didn't mention this to Congressman Johnson. I thought about it after he hung up. How did he decide which student debt to cancel and which night? Do you think if we clawed into that, if we peeled back the layers of that onion, that we might find in there some um, quid pro quo? Do you think that might be a possibility? I don't know, folks. I think it could be. Follow the money. Follow the money. So we're in a bad spot. Congressman Johnson told me, don't get discouraged. He told you, we can beat this, and we're going to beat this. We're just going to have to keep our noses to the ground and work hard and work smart to get the law being enforced again. It's not going to happen in this administration. Meanwhile, while all of this is happening at the southern border, nobody in the media is covering any of it. It's been totally media dark for almost a week about what's happening down there. It's almost like everybody else has just said, you know what, they're going to do it, so there's nothing I can do, so we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. It's kind of like that's that's what's going on. It's crazy, folks. 
If you don't have borders in your country, you don't have a country. You're just a big space, a big blob out in the middle of a, of a continent. Ours is North America. You can't be a country if you don't have borders. And if you have borders and don't enforce them, you can't be a country. And the United States is right there. So what else is President Biden doing this week? Well, he's made some public appearances. He had Angela Merkel, the uh, prime minister of Germany, in the White House, and they did a joint press conference. But he stays above the fray. He lets the minions that work below him handle all of the stuff. The stuff. What is the stuff? There's a lot of it going on. And there's another thing that is happening right now in the uh, the Biden administration. I started to call it the Obama administration. There's another thing that's happening that scares me to death. Jen Psaki stepped to the podium at a White House briefing yesterday, and she explained what this is. And it's regarding the White House working in conjunction with Facebook. Now, let's get this straight. The White House, a political entity, working with Facebook, a private entity that has unilateral authority to forget about the Constitution and the First Amendment, the people's right to speak, free speech, that's us, people that post on their social website. You know that site, that advertising there pays Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg tens of billions of dollars a year for advertising from around the world. They have a right, at least they're using it so far, to unilaterally edit anything that any of us say and even erase some of the things that we say in total disregard to the First Amendment. You'll feel so much better to find out that the Biden administration is working with Facebook to take care of some questionable communications that happen there. Here's Jen Psaki explaining it. And of course, when she explains it, you got to listen close because she goes right to the notebook and begins to read the prepared response. Here's Saki at the White House. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about this uh, request for tech companies to be more aggressive in policing misinformation? Has the administration been in touch with any of these companies, and are there any actions that the federal government can take to ensure their cooperation? Because we've seen from the start there's not a lot of action on some of these platforms. Sure. Uh, well, first, we are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms, uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given, as Dr. Murthy Mur- uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken, or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with 
uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID-19, the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the presidents, the vice presidents, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with influencers who also have large reaches to a lot of these target audiences who can spread and share accurate information. You saw an example of that uh, yesterday. I believe that video will be out tomorrow. I think that was your question, Steve, yesterday. I did a full follow-up there. Um, uh, well, there are also proposed changes that we have made to social media platforms, including Facebook. And those specifically are four key steps. One, uh, that they measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform. Facebook should provide publicly and transparently data on the reach of COVID-19, uh, COVID vaccine misinformation, not just engagement, but the reach of the misinformation uh, and the audience that it's reaching. That will help us ensure we're getting accurate information to people. This should be provided not just to researchers, but to the public so that the public knows and understands what is accurate and inaccurate. Second, uh, that we have recommended, uh, proposed that they create a robust enforcement strategy that bridges their properties and provides transparency about the rules. So about, I think this was a question asked before, there's about 12 people who are producing 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. All of them remain active on Facebook, despite some even being banned on other platforms, including Facebook, ones that Facebook owns. Third, uh, it's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly on social media platforms. Sometimes it's not accurate, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts. Posts that will be within their policies for removal often remain up for days. That's too long. The information spreads too quickly. Finally. We uh, have proposed they promote quality information sources in their feed algorithm. Facebook has repeatedly shown that they have the leverage to promote quality information. We've seen them effectively do this um, in their algorithm over low quality information, and they've chosen not to use it in this case, and that's certainly an area that would have an impact. So these are uh, certainly the proposals. Uh, we engage with them regularly, and they certainly understand what our asks are. And one of the problems with vaccines right now is that they've become politicized. Um, you guys, the White House has obviously made the calculation that it's important to be more aggressive in confronting misinformation, but is there at all a concern that that could backfire and further contribute to politicization, and is there anything that you can do to prevent that at this point? Well, you're absolutely right, I should say, Alex, in that we have to be very careful, and we are mindful of being quite careful, of not politicizing uh, the effectiveness of vaccines, the fact that they can save lives, uh, young people, old people, middle-of-the-road people. Uh, it's important for us, uh, we've made a calculation to push back on misinformation. You're right. But that's one of the reasons, as Dr. Murthy was conveying, we have empowered, engaged, funded local voices because they are often the most trusted voices, doctors, medical experts, clergy, uh, you know, uh, people who are members of civic leaders and communities. That's where we are putting most of our resources, even as we are working to combat misinformation that's traveling online or traveling, unfortunately, out of the mouths of elected officials uh, from time to time. So let's unpack the Jin Saki diatribe there. You heard words like accurate, false, uh, dangerous information, information, and the White House is helping Facebook by flagging problematic post. Problematic post. And what does all that mean? That means the First Amendment is nil. It's gone. They don't care about the freedom 
of speech. Did you know the First Amendment says pretty much the summary is anybody can say anything they want to, and it doesn't matter who they upset. It doesn't matter if it's truthful. Everybody has a personal responsibility to learn the facts about whatever you're hearing or listening to and to make your own determination for yourself. But the government can't impugn anything that anyone says. Now, many will think, well, people say bad things. You heard what Jen Psaki said. Oh, you know, there's bad information out there about vaccinations and vaccines. Well, who determines what's bad information? Who determines what's right or what's wrong? Don't insult the integrity of the American people, Ms. Saki, and say that the White House knows the truth about vaccines, about vaccinations, about what to do and not to do, about wearing masks, about social distancing, about shutdowns, who should be going to school, who should be going to work, and who shouldn't be any of those things. I mean, that's something that is not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something for the government to do, but us individually. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Are you there? Are you there? I'm here. You're live on the air. Who's this? This is James Posey, Dan. How are you doing? Hi, James. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Just got off work. What's on your mind? Ma'am, the question I was asking earlier is what number of people that have caught COVID but never got the vaccine are dying now? James, it's less than overall taking every age group, taking every... uh, medical condition person, you put them all in a bucket, uh, it's less than 8% are dying. And if you take it, yeah, if you take out the, uh, the elderly, I mean, you know, uh, and I hate to even say this because I guess technically I'm elderly, I'm 67, but uh, go or go up to the 70, 75, 80, 80 year old level and go above that. If you take that segment out, and uh, you take out what they call the comorbidity or, or people that have extraneous health conditions already, like diabetes, they're extremely overweight, those kind of things. If you take all those people out, it's less than 2% are dying. Yeah. You know, I'm just wondering, those of, those, those of us that haven't been vaccinated that caught COVID, you know, are they even at more risk or less risk, the same risk? James, that's the $100 question. Nobody knows for sure. We're told things. The experts are telling us things. I mean, if you listen to people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, you know, if you don't do everything they tell you to do, vaccine, wear mask, all those kind of things, you're going to die. But then I'll give you a prime example. You know my wife. She got a really bad case of covid I mean, really bad yeah. uh, pneumonia, the whole nine yards. And I have a pre-existing lung condition. I don't have any cilia, the little hairs in my lungs. I got a bad case 30 years ago in Mexico of a really bad pneumonia, and it killed all that. What that means is I'm prone to get a respiratory issue even more so and quicker than anyone else. So when she got COVID-19 and a really bad case, everybody that knew me thought, you're in, man, you're going to get it. I didn't even get a sniffle. 
And so I asked the question, like everybody else, what's the difference? Why didn't Dan get sick when Marianne got sick? Because they're together all the time. And the only obvious answer to the question is my body doesn't need a vaccine to fight COVID-19 or I would have gotten it. But that's not good enough for politicians. They can't use that. Yeah. That's the problem we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, we went on vacation last year uh, to Florida. And my nephew-in-law, he's a firefighter. Uh, he got called back in for mandatory overtime and had to go to another firehouse and work one night. And during that, uh, his overtime call that he had, him and another man that uh, called in for the mandatory overtime both caught COVID. We didn't know it. You know, we had all been staying away from everybody doing our quarantine and so we go to florida well we meet in baton rouge and at that point i guess he had transferred it to all of us three or four days later everybody except for the baby caught covid wow i am the only one on our nine-day vacation that went out to the beach the only thing that happened to me was i lost my sense of smell and taste everybody else was bedridden for the entire nine days that probably means that you did catch it, but you were asymptomatic to a degree. And our bodies naturally react to any kind of um, bacterial or viral entity that comes and attacks it. And your body just beat it before it could get set yeah. in your body and create the problems that it did for other people. You and me are the kind of people that when any kind of virus goes around, they want us out there because what we're doing is when we interact with people, we always pass to each other different elements that are in our body. When we breathe, when we talk, when we shake hands, those kind of things. And we got the good stuff in us and they need for us to interact yeah. with people to pass it along to them. That makes sense. Thank God for us. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. James, th thanks. Well, thank man, you, I thank you so much for being a, a faithful listener too. I know you listen man, I, a lot, a lot of days. Day. Almost every day. I appreciate you, man. It's the only way I can keep up, keep up with what's going on is by listening to you. Cause when I, I work a lot of hours, but I really enjoy listening to your show every day at work. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Call anytime. I will, buddy. I appreciate you. Okay. James Posey, friend, longtime friend, also a great drummer. We, uh, we played a lot of music together through the years. He's a really good guy too. Hey, we've got another break we have to get in here and we're just getting cranking, folks. There's more stuff you need to know about. Back after this. Hello? Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say... What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step -step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti. 
Heist White Mocha Triple Shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande Toffee Nut Latte. It's made by Moleskin. Wow, right? Venti Green Tea Cream Frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines planner by Moleskin. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Hey, Thirst. Can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Turn it up loud. Now that's a smart speaker. Don't forget we're back this weekend. Our bullet point offering tomorrow morning, every Saturday, with the exception of last Saturday. We we give you a list of very important things that happened the previous week. And uh, in that list, we call them bullet points. You click on the beginning of each one, and it gives you a two or three sentence synopsis of what it's about. You may have already heard about it, but if you haven't heard about it, or even if you've heard about it and you want details, you click on the arrow, the blue arrow at the end, and it will take you to a full story. And that way on a Saturday or Sunday in your Slack time, you can just go back and see what happened in the news just to make sure you didn't miss anything big. We call it bullet points. So that's every Saturday. And then uh, on Sunday, sometimes we'll have a special guest story. Sometimes we take the day off. Not sure yet what's going to happen this Sunday, but we'll be back in full-blown power going forward beginning on Monday morning. James Posey, just one of the people out there that listens all the time. It's interesting. We don't get a lot of phone calls. And um, in the very beginning of this, I mean, we have the ability to look and see not who is listening, but we can see IP addresses of computers that have logged in, not only in the United States, but around the world. And when I look at how many people are listening every day and we're talking about very controversial things, I think about other uh, talk shows, political talk shows, and how many people call in. We don't have a lot of people to do that. And I think it speaks to the audience, to those of you out there, that you're, you're pretty well informed and uh, you're also pretty busy. And in many cases, you don't want to go on the air. <laughs> I get all of that. And uh, just want everybody to know anytime you want to weigh in on any part of the conversation, maybe even fuss at me for something we report. I mean, this is your show, and we're glad to share it with you. That means that you've got input. And uh, unless you talk to us, we don't know what your thoughts are. So feel free anytime to call toll free 866-37-TRUTH. That's 866-378-7884. So before we walk away from the coronavirus conversations today, you know, we have our CDC here in the United States. Those are supposedly the uh, medical experts on all things. They advise America. They advise the medical community on things, do a lot of research there. In the UK, they have one themselves. We have the VAERS report here. That's that site that's part of the CDC. It's on their website. And they report every Friday the latest combination of the reported adverse reactions that people have from any vaccination. 
and they've been keeping those records since 1990. Now, all of the adverse reactions, including deaths that happen after vaccinations, aren't necessarily reported. So the numbers that are, we are told by the CDC, it's usually 10 times or more the actual reported number. In the UK, scientists and doctors over there have discovered an overwhelming number of adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccinations, and it's cause for concern when they looked at data from the British government's yellow card vaccine event reporting system. Now, let me explain. The Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agencies, ours is the CDC, theirs is the MHRA, they use what they call a yellow card system to track COVID-19 vaccines regularly, and they do that and call it that to ensure their benefits continue to outweigh any risk of the vaccines. However, in a letter to MHRA Chief Executive Officer Dr. June Rain, Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy Director Dr. Tess Lowry detailed her group's findings. Listen to this. According to Lowry's letter, between January 4th and May 6th this year, 888,196 adverse events and 1,253 deaths were recorded to Yellow Card. That's that segment of the reporting system for just COVID-19. These were not directly linked to the COVID-19 vaccine, as is VAERS data. Despite this, the director expressed concern about the vaccine safety, saying, the MHRA now has more than enough evidence to declare the COVID-19 vaccine unsafe for use in humans, she said. Think about this, folks. The UK is saying, hey, it is not safe for us to be putting these vaccinations in these people's arms. She said the scope of morbidity is striking, evidencing a lot of incidents at what amounts to large number of ill. According to this director, AstraZeneca, that's the fourth vaccine that is being used to combat COVID-19 in the world. AstraZeneca has not been approved yet here in the States. We have Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J. She said that AstraZeneca supplied 60% or more COVID-19 vaccines in the UK with the remaining coming from Pfizer. Given that pharmacological data is known to be underreported, the letter urged the MHRA to make vaccine adverse reaction records public as soon as possible. It also asked the regulator to make it easier for people to report adverse reactions. And she ended her letter, Preparation should be made to scale up humanitarian efforts to assist those harmed by the COVID-19 vaccines and to anticipate medium to longer term effects. Is it striking to you that even now these medical entities that are not only in the know, they're the ones that people in countries are turning to for truth and information and facts and data to teach us, to guide us, what's working, what's not working, what's dangerous, what should we do? And here we are 17 months into COVID-19. Our pandemic technically has ended. Actually, folks, technically we never had a pandemic. Nevertheless, that was used to lock us down. 
not going back into that story today. But here we are 17 months later. We know very, very little more than we knew 17 months ago. We do know that vaccines, these vaccines, are each dangerous. And thousands of people are dying from just taking the vaccination. And by the way, people who are vaccinated are still catching COVID-19 and several thousand people have died from in that category. That doesn't sound like something that we should be out there forcing or even thinking about forcing people to take. Does it Does it sound okay to you? It doesn't sound okay to me. It makes absolutely no sense. And the CDC hasn't even yet, excuse me, the FDA hasn't even yet confirmed it's okay to use these vaccines in normal day-to-day operations. However, ivermectin has been, hydroxychloroquine has been, azithromycin has been, and they've been very effective. Nobody talks about those. In fact, at the CDC, at the FDA, nobody talks about them in a good way. We need to be asking this question about all of those things that we just said. Why Why is that? Why aren't they talking about or recommending hydroxychloroquine? I can give you the names of 30 people, personal acquaintances and friends and relatives, who opted to take hydroxychloroquine instead of dealing and waiting for the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&G vaccinations. At least 20 to 30 people who used hydroxychloroquine in combination with azithromycin and zinc who kicked COVID's butt in just a matter of days. Really serious cases, too, folks. Ivermectin does that in some other instances as well. But those medicines are in the marketplace. Their patents have expired. They're available for public use, and they're not expensive. I think that plays heavily into the reasoning for all of this. So why don't we... Last 20 minutes of the show, why don't we go to the southern border? Just another thing, another egregious Biden administration thing. Exposed internal emails in which Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Burroughs informed military personnel that commercial planes at Laughlin Air Force Base, which is east of Del Rio in extreme southwest Texas, is going to fly illegal aliens from the southern border to other locations in the U.S. interior. This show, talking about Tucker Carlson, who picked this up last night, this show has confirmed that the Biden administration has enlisted the U.S. military secretly around our country. This is happening at Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. We know it's happening there because of a man called Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Burroughs sent his subordinates, spelling it out very clearly. Burroughs' email reads, Over the next few days, weeks, or months, you may see passenger aircraft on our ramp transporting undocumented non-citizens. Please review the attached public affairs guidance on the issue. I mean, instructions on how to handle it. Carlson said the Pentagon confirmed that this operation is occurring, under the guise of Homeland Security's mission, they call it. ICE 
refused to disclose where in the U.S. illegal aliens are being flown. This is another thing, folks. We're hearing from um, small towns, bigger towns, small cities around the nation after the fact, in the middle of the night, these planes are showing up at airports there, and the governments in these locations have no idea that our big government, the federal government, is sending these people to these towns and cities. They don't even forewarn them. They just show up. People come and pick them up, and they don't have any idea where they're going. What you're watching, Tucker Carlson said last night, is demographic transformation in our country without our consent and in violation of our laws. This is happening. There's no need to even go on with that story. I mean, they don't make any bones about it. It's no big deal to them. They're just doing it, thumbing their noses at federal law, thumbing their noses at state governments, pushing these illegals into these states willy-nilly, no concept of criminality in most cases, knowing, though, that there are tons of convicted criminals in many cases and criminals convicted of really egregious acts when they were here before and then they come back. Obviously, in most cases, they're going to be repeat offenders. But even murderers and sexual perverted people that have been convicted of perversion with children are being allowed back in, encouraged to come back in. And it gets even worse. One officer with ICE reported yesterday cell phones with tracking apps will eventually replace ankle monitoring bracelets according to this source. And of course, they wanted to remain anonymous so the government doesn't take action against them. Says iPhones are being given by ICE to every illegal immigrant when they release them into the United States. iPhones, folks. iPhones. Who's paying for those? Who's paying for those? Same people that are paying for their housing, paying for their food, paying for their education, paying for their transportation, the American taxpayers. We're all on the hook for that. The 2022 Homeland Security Funding Bill advanced by the House Appropriations Committee two days ago allocates almost half a billion dollars to enhance what's called ICE's Alternatives to Detention Program. Now, this amount is $34.5 million above what the agency requested. And that's a sign that the catch-and-release stance of the current administration is going to keep trekking on. They're going to keep doing it. Making the situation even worse along the southwest border is an anticipated end to the existing CDC Title 42 what that is, is a, it's a COVID-19 emergency order, which basically says this was issued under the Trump administration. We can't let these people in. We don't know their COVID status. Not only does the Biden administration let them in, they don't care about their COVID status. They don't test them. They put them on these planes, these buses, and ship them to your town, to your city, and basically say, you take care of the problem while you're there. <laughs> I'm serious. You can't make this stuff up, folks. It's happening day by day on this president's watch, and we have no idea what's going on. Pardon the background noise, folks. I apologize for it.
We're having a little studio construction project going on today. And uh, they know we're on the air and they're trying to keep quiet. But obviously, if you're listening in, you're hearing that they're not being very successful being quiet. We're going to go to Cuba. There's more big news coming out of Cuba. And there's more big news about Cuba coming out of the United States and coming out of Congress. You don't want to miss that. We're going to wrap it up this last 15 minutes or so. Trying to miss... uh, give you a few things that we missed during the day that we really want you to know going into the weekend. Sit tight. Back in just a few moments here at TNN Live. Join in the conversation. To find out how, see the homepage at truthnewsnet.org. This is TNN. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... Snuggle... I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. We didn't talk at all about the um, the election audit underway still going on. They're ramping it up, I think. I think they're about to get it done. I'm talking about out there in Arizona, Maricopa County. Massive election fraud investigation. It was instigated by the state legislature, far leftists from... Uh, The state of Arizona, also from Washington, D.C., fought it, fought it in court. And now we're told that the results of that are pending. It was leaked, I I think yesterday or the day before, that the numbers that were announced and were used to certify Arizona's election results and were sent to Congress to verify who their electoral college voters were going to vote for, we've been told the numbers don't match. Now, we haven't been told yet if the numbers are lower or higher or what's the split between Trump and Biden, so we don't know that yet. But another little nasty note slipped out into the marketplace of ideas today. A lawsuit was filed. I knew it was filed. I didn't know any of the details. Another lawsuit. But it was to keep the audit results private, not to release those numbers to the general public. 
And a judge weighed in. A judge weighed in and threw the case out and said, nope, we're going to let it go public. Now, why would anybody want to keep the results secret? Well, you know the obvious reason for that. They don't want it out there that there was any voter fraud that was perpetrated. They want to hide it. They've got this big lie in the marketplace, and the big lie is not what uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden termed the big lie. They termed that to be that Donald Trump won the election and was cheated out of it. They're calling Trump even saying that, and Trump supporters even saying that. That's the big lie. Well, the big lie is there was massive voter fraud in the November 3rd election last year. Much of it's already been exposed. A lot of it's still to be exposed. Uh, let, let me just throw this out there. 600 election fraud cases are pending. I'm not talking about lawsuits. I'm talking about criminal action cases are pending right now in the state of Texas for massive voter fraud in the November 3rd election. And the media and the Democrats, they want to quash all that news and information. They don't want you and I to know anything about it. They don't want the facts out there. But they're going to be out there. Do you know that uh, child tax rebate that is on its way now. I think it's actually begun out in the marketplace. People who have kids, young kids under certain ages are getting federal money on top of anything they're getting from their states and welfare or child care assistance. Well, Joe Biden, he had to get up on a platform and explain all of that to us. I want you to listen to the president as he told you exactly what's going on there, the whys, the hows, the what's and the when's and see if you can follow his line of reasoning. And by the way, think of monthly payments. You get a Social Security check. Those who you know get Social Security, they get it monthly. Well, this will be, unless you want it at one lump sum, this will be a monthly payment for child care, for, 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 excuse me, for your children, a tax cut. More than 26 million children from the hardest-pressed working families didn't get any full payment for the child credit, for, for child care, for, for child tax credit. Half of all black and Hispanic children in America never received the full tax credit. We've changed all that. This credit doesn't start to phase out until a couple is making $150,000 or a single parent is making $112,000. When I came up, when I decided I wanted this in the legislation, I refer to it in the way it really is. It's a middle-class tax cut. It's just like the wealthy get tax cuts for a lot of things. It's a tax cut for your children, having children. And this can make it possible for a hardworking parent to say to his or her child, honey, we get, you can get your new braces now. We can get your tutor to help you in that math class you're having trouble with. We can get you the sports equipment you need to sign up to, for your first team you're going to play on. People have written to me to tell me they use the money to buy their kids new shoes. Historic reductions in child poverty among white, black, and Latinos in AAPI communities. It's not even close. The benefits will be felt for years. Studies have shown that tax relief that helps children, that's okay, don't worry about it. It's okay to let them cry, or her, whichever. To the people who say we can't afford to give the middle class a break, I say we can't afford it. 
by making people at the top and the big corporations, over 50 of which paid no taxes last year at all, to finally just, just start paying their fair share. And parents are going to be able to tell your kids when they're uh, 25 years old that you were there the day this happened. We talked about it. There's so many lies that are given to us in speeches like you just heard. And I'm not going to I'm not going to get deeply into it there, but folks, he said they want to end child poverty, that programs like this will cut child poverty in half. That's a lie. The numbers regarding poverty, the poverty line, are based on income numbers. This relief from the federal government or even the state government is not classified as income. And so unless one's income status changes up or down, which means money you make, whether or not you're in poverty is not going to change because of that. But it sounds so good, like we're going to take care of you. And it's all about that. It's all about we, the federal government, are going to take care of you. We don't have a lot of time left. I want to get into this thing going on down in Cuba. The atrocities are amazing. They're horrible. It is the communist government that is just killing people left and right, is shutting them down, taking away the internet, put radio stations and TV stations off the air. You can't get money to wire into Cuba if you've got relatives there because the banks are shut down. So as you can imagine, those on the left, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, all of those people, oh man, they support the socialist government in Cuba. In fact, through the years, Bernie Sanders has expressed his outright love for the two brothers, the Castro brothers that just took Cuba into communist darkness. Well, yesterday, folks, it was a slap in the face for these folks because Black Lives Matter came out and took a position. America's, United States, Black Lives Matter. So AOC and Ilhan Omar, they haven't yet weighed in on the fact that Black Lives Matter declared their support, not for the Cuban people, for Cuba's communist government. Black Lives Matter sparked a backlash late yesterday after they posted a statement that blasted the U.S. embargo and they praised Cuba's government, saying this, the people of Cuba are being punished by the U.S. government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. United States leaders have tried to crush this revolution for decades. This is not... I don't care what BLM says. I don't care what Bernie Sanders, AOC, Ilhan Omar, any of them. Corey Bush is the new one from Missouri. I don't care what any of them say. This is not a revolution of the people of Cuba by the people of Cuba for freedom. It's not. The people are demonstrating and protesting for freedom from the egregious conditions they find themselves in at the hands of the Cuban government, the communist thugs that run the nation. That's true. But what's going on down there is not good what's happening at the hands of the communist regime. So what is all this doing, folks? It's shining the light on what BLM really is all about. Now, 
please know this. They make no bones about it. If you go to their website, go look for yourself, Black Lives Matter, and look on what they stand for. They were founded. The two big founders of Black Lives Matter are self-avowed Marxists themselves. They are communists. They believe in totalitarianism. They believe in communism. And they think it's better than the democracy, the democratic and representative republic that we have in the United States. And they want us to go back to that. Go back to what many of those people fled from. Ilhan Omar from Somalia. That's exactly what was going on there. They're doing everything they can to drive the United States of America back into a culture that is just like that. I mean, this is not insane. It's stupid. Hey, that's going to wrap up the day today. Well, thank you so much for being here. Again, please excuse the noise in the background. You have a great weekend. Stay close. We'll be back Monday at TNN Live. See you then. One of these days the sky's gonna break And everything will escape And I'll know One of these days the mountains are gonna fall into the sea And they'll know You and I were made for this I was made to taste your kiss We were